This is a Live Women Authors of Achievement podcast, episode 77, with guest Guya Merkle. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Savorova, and welcome to today's episode recorded live at Seek and Premium Trade Show in Berlin. After inheriting her family's jewelry business at a young age and experiencing its bankruptcy, Guya Merkel embarked on a personal quest to produce high-end jewelry. Inspired by a trip to a gold mine in Peru and witnessing the industry's problems, she founded Vieri in 2015 with a focus on using urban mine gold and ethically sourced gemstones. Despite challenges in the industry and retail hesitancy towards ethical jewelry, Guya is on a mission to make a difference and inspire others to prioritize sustainability. Through her storytelling and activism, she aims to reshape the perception of luxury and create a new standard for the industry. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter to learn about future events and live podcasts via waa.berlin. It's a pleasure to welcome you today on stage. Thank I you know so it's uh, crazy. So basically, we, we follow each other on Instagram, and I saw she posted today. So technically, I was at a small party yesterday night, but until 1 a.m., so I did well. And then I saw Guya's message or story where she said she was up from 2 a.m. Because you have a baby, right? Yes, I have a little baby, but I have a um, seven-year-old one, and uh, he was the one keeping me up. Ah, seven yeah. years old, not the day. No, oh, it was the seven-year-old one. Yeah, it was his last day of school, so he was super excited, and he couldn't sleep. <laughs> From two a.m., he was just yes. like, yes, he was. Yeah. So hi, I went to sleep at one. You woke up at two. Yes. Uh, that makes the two of us. Uh, in some way. I'm very curious to talk about your story and I hope we can be as sincere and candid. I think it's a safe space. And I have a bit of uh, tricky questions for you. Not tricky, but I think I really want to get honest and truthful story from you. So which is not polished, which is especially when we talk about fine jewelry, when we talk about luxury industry, it's all very refined. Everything sounds and looks great. It's beautiful. It's expensive. But there is you, an independent creator, independent brand owner, experiencing a luxury business and industry from completely different perspective and experiencing lots of hardship, a lot of challenges. And I think that's something people want to know and understand because this is the other side of the coin. And maybe you can tell me more about how your journey into the whole you know, business of gold, fine jewelry have started. It started with my birth, actually. With your birth? Oh, with my okay. Birth. <laughs> You're like, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. I was born into the jewelry industry, you can say so, because I was born in Pforzheim. So Pforzheim, uh, does anyone know Pforzheim? It's a very small city in the south of Germany. And it's a so You won't believe it. My boyfriend was born there. Oh, not really. So random. Yeah. Not really. Yes, okay. I'm telling you. He was very excited about our recording. <laughs> It's like a very small town in Germany. It's a very, very <laughs> small town in Germany. But it's called the City of Gold, mm. actually, because a lot of goldsmith and also brands had their birth there. Also, Chopar was founded oh. in Pforzheim. Nobody knows fancy that, but town. it's fancy town. I was born there and I was born into a jewelry family, but I never felt the connection. So, All right, why, why not? I mean, you mentioned that your grandfather and your father were both had jewelry businesses. Why yes. were you not connected? I mean... I can see that at the dinner table, everyone is showing their gemstones. Yes. And it's like I also, I played <laughs> in the safe of my father. It was like a walk-in safe and I played there. So it was oh, wow. all around me. 
But somehow maybe this was the issue that it was all around me that I didn't have to click. And it was somehow also my parents were working constantly because parents with a known company are They working. were like, here are your diamonds. Yes, See you in the evening, child. Unfortunately not. <laughs> But it was kind of the business from my parents and it was a natural habit that I didn't yeah. connect with it. So, yeah, but I was grown up in this city and then but I, I got in a completely different direction. So I went to Berlin when I was 11 and I grew up here with my mom and then I worked at betterplace.org. It's a company, mm -hmm. I don't know if you know it, but it's a kind it's of, of making yeah. good things and I was totally into making good things. There was one thing that you said that you felt guilty because you took over the family business when your father passed away. Yes. And you felt guilty when you had to take over the family business. How come? Why? It was not taking over the family business, which made me feel guilty. It was after I found out how the source of this family business looks like. So... After taking over the family business, because my father died when I was 21, I was super young. I didn't have any clue of running businesses, neither I had a connection with jewelry. So after two years, the business got bankrupt, which Ooh. was super hard for me to face. And but, then, but, but didn't you have some support like from family, relatives? I don't know. No, we had a very small family, so I was the only child okay. and my parents were separated. So it was... Just you. Just me. And yeah, so it was not the easiest time in my life. But then I went on a journey. And in Peru, by coincidence, I had the chance to visit a gold mine, which was a life-changing moment. And when I was in this gold mine, it was when I felt guilty because how gold is sourced. So it's kind of like a slum in the mountains because people living there, they are living there because they try their best to survive so they are digging gold by hand but they are mostly they don't know how to dig gold so they really just start digging a hole and they are mostly informal they are super poor of course there is no water there is no infrastructure no healthcare. you have nothing there besides uh, mercury because you need mercury to extract the gold from the ore so everything is poisoned there so i can ask a question to get one gram of gold so one gram of gold is like this tiny little ring here mm -hmm. how much earth you have to move what do you think how how much how big is the is the amount of earth you have to move let's say the area of the stage yeah the stage okay that's good no it's like one ton one so one ton of earth you have to move for this tiny little for this tiny little ring It's a lot of work. It's hard work and it's mostly done by women and children, unfortunately. Why? Why, why women and children? Because to get down, the holes are quite small. Oh my goodness. So most of the time, it's only children who can pass the holes. It's really insane, especially when you think about the end product, which I grew up with the luxury kind of world you know jewelry is something so personal something very linked to emotions and when it comes to buying jewelry it's always a kind of luxury behavior so if you see the start of it the source of it I really stopped believing in humanity it, it was totally crazy for me to, to understand yeah. that this is something people know about and they say like okay 
Let's but do, do actually this. people know about this? I mean, the producers, yes, but the... The consumers the back in the days, no. The producers kind of... And that's why I felt ashamed a bit of my family's business because I thought, wow, why didn't they say something or why did they kind of accept it mm. and it's it, I mean it's like in different kind of business areas as well so it's a business model of exploitation and this was what I felt very ashamed of. It's heartbreaking it causes like some kind of dissonance because you wear something so expensive this is usually people express their love they express some kind of status And then behind it is absolutely unethical, yeah. you know, background story. Yeah. But why did you decide not to say like, you know what, this is too much. This is like, I am, you know, I don't believe in humanity anymore. World is going to hell. <laughs> like, Ciao. and you would say like, I'm out of this. Yeah. Why did you actually decided to start your own brand? So my first, my first impulse was like, okay, I'm super happy that this company got bankrupt. So I don't want to nothing had to do with it anymore but on the other hand I believe in responsibility so I think when you saw something like this and I always was a person even when I was very little who had a big problem with unethical behavior so I really believe that you have to take your responsibility even if you don't act after seeing something like this or witnessing something like this it's also taking your responsibility so for me, it was clear I want to transform this. And it was kind of also I had this moment where I thought, okay, maybe this is the missing part of me in my family history, you know? So maybe I can transform kind of the family story, but at the same time, the whole industry. I was very naive. Very ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> very naive. I mean, you mentioned that the company in the beginning didn't succeed. So you, you faced another bankruptcy. Yes, but first of all, after my Peru experience, I founded a foundation, the Earthbeat Foundation, which is still active, because I wanted to, I studied communication. So communication kind of was my, mm -hmm. you know, my superpower back in the day. So I, I thought, okay, even I didn't know about the circumstances, so how should any consumer know about it? So it was very clear, okay, I will start transforming this industry by telling the story. So I had a good press contacts. So I wrote to them and I was uh, succeeding because everyone was jumping on to, into the story. And it's a hot topic. I it's mean, a hot it's topic. I had press coverage for millions of euros. Oh, wow. But nothing changed. So after two years, also going to companies, asking them to give us some money to transform kind of livelihoods of people. Nobody of the industry wanted to give us money. Nobody wanted to uh, support us. Which year are we talking about? It was 2012. Well, I mean, so now you can't <laughs> calculate back 12, 11 so, so years. Everyone was, 11 uh, years. Yeah, so everyone was understanding. They were clear and they were like, good luck to you. Yes, because sustainability was not that's hard of a topic. Do you feel like this is changing today? Completely. Do companies then approach you? Yes, now. Oh. Yeah, they do. So it took 11 years to yes, have this. It took 11 out. years, yeah. So back to that story, it was a very rough start. It was a r really rough start and I had this feeling okay with the with the foundation and the project alone I cannot transform anything, so maybe I have to um, found my own jewelry company to show people that it's possible to produce jewelry in another way so okay. 2015 i was naive again founding my own jewelry company 
<laughs> but here you are. I think you're wearing some of the pieces, yes. right? But the first two years, I didn't sell a piece. For two years? For two years, sell. I didn't sell one piece. And I created very big pieces. And even Rihanna was wearing my first jewelry piece on the red carpet on the MTV Awards. Like Riri? Like Riri. Like oh, wow. the, the real one. She was wearing my first design. I still have it. I never sold it. <laughs> That's my Riri ring. But even this didn't... Why? I mean, it's such a perfect uh, promotion. It's such a perfect promotion. I mean, today, I if know. you would imagine like social media, it will pick up and then suddenly... Yeah. Uh, Crazy, no? I don't know explode. what it was, yeah. But the first two years, I didn't sell a piece. And of course, running a jewelry company or founding a jewelry company is, is an expensive thing. And this is also something nobody's talking about in the jewelry industry. Founding a jewelry company is an expensive step because it's all the materials are so expensive and also the marketing it's super expensive you you cannot found a company produce a ring for 10,000 euro and then expect that somebody is buying it without mm. you spending some money to do the marketing and the communication so That's it's crazy. crazy so after two years i yeah i uh, i was almost bankrupt again what kept you going it seems like a very now we're talking about the cheesy part of my story Okay, yes, bring up the cheesy story. It's I mean, a, otherwise it feels story. like it's, you're like a lonely warrior there. Yeah, no, no, it's cheesy because I'm still the <laughs> lonely warrior. No, it, it's a belief that transformation is possible. It really kept me going that I was so much believing in it yeah. that it needs to be possible to produce jewelry in an ethical way and to make jewelry companies successful which is doing it differently. Until now, it's my driver. I mean, now we're not bankrupt. Yeah. And it's running quite good. That's but good. of course, I mean, having a, a company is always a fight. And this is the driver. Crazy. Does anybody wants to start any type of jewelry accessory <laughs> company? company? No? Everyone is just like, mm, sounds Maybe scary. Not. Everyone is like, mm, <laughs> we were thinking about it, but now that you're talking. <laughs> but can you explain to me, uh, maybe in more detail, uh, when you say sustainability and fine jewelry, what exactly do you mean by that? It's a good topic because 11 years later, sustainability is a hot topic in the fine jewelry industry. But it's so hot that now we were facing greenwashing a lot. So... Mm -hmm. There's nearly no jewelry company anymore which is not acting sustainable. Mm -hmm. And I'm, again, the wild child of the industry because I'm always thinking, okay, if everybody is so sustainable and the whole industry is crazily sustainable, why do we face all the problems on the ground? So twice a year I'm traveling to gold mines still. I was in Uganda last June, then I got pregnant, so it was my last visit and nothing is changing on the ground. So the industry on paper or on marketing-wise gets more sustainable more sustainable, but there is no... You, you can't see it there where you need to see it. So it's, the just, people. it's just basically signaling on the marketing communication channels, but when it comes to actually where they source the materials, so we talk about the gold, we talk about gemstones, there they, they have the old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way and the old-fashioned way, and that's the funny thing, because one big part of communication of sustainability in, in the jewelry industry is the word recycling, recycling gold, recycled gold. And, of course, this is good, because to use something which was already there is perfect, 
But gold recycling is as old as gold sourcing, not mm. because it's so sustainable, because gold is... Of course, I mean, all the it's coins, if we talk about like Roman, uh, you know, times, yeah. and that's what they did. They recycled that's a it. lot of metals also. That's it. And this is quite fascinating yeah. as well, because, <laughs> I mean, you can think about your ring. Maybe it was a gold coin in the old ancient Roman Empire. Roman Empire, and now you're wearing it on your finger because it could be. I mean, actually, it could be because it, it, it really gold is recycled all the time. So it's... Of course, it's sustainable in a way that it's good to reuse metals, but, but it's, it's not something not you can used. claim now uh, as a sustainable behavior because gold is still also, it's so worthy that gold will be digged all the time. So what okay. we need to do as an industry is to change the status quo, how it has been Digged, okay, know? so what is urban mine gold? Like, how can that look like? Urban mine gold, because recycling gold, yeah. I need to dig a bit deeper. Recycling gold is called gold, which is smelted once. Okay. So you can go to a bad gold mine, buy some gold, bring it to Germany, and then you can go to a smelter, say, can you smelt it for me? They do it, and then you get a recycling stamp. So okay. this is not the idea of... Okay, got it. You know, of sustainability. Urban mine gold is if, for example, your phone gets to the end of its life and then it's been recycled and there is gold into it. Mm -hmm. So in every phone, in every laptop, in every tablet, there is gold inside of it. So we are using the gold from mobile phones, laptops, tablets. So smart. Because this is urban mind. And we have another problem, of course, because e-waste is getting a bigger and bigger issue. So for me, the future to see how we can get out of this. Okay, so you, when article. it comes to materials, you don't source anything then from the actual mines? No. Anything recycled or urban mine, urban which mine. comes from yeah. some kind of upcycling yes. the gold. What about the gemstones? The gemstones, we use vintage stones, but we also use stones coming out of the earth, but in so-called impactful mines. And it's the same with gold, because just because we use recycling materials, we still as a company try to give something back. So we, to make it short, I think when we're talking about sustainability, we need to talk about impact. So how can our behavior or our product do something good where it needs to be done. And that's what we are doing with the gold and also with the gemstones. So we have gemstones coming from Sri Lanka, from an eco mine, for example, where we are also visiting the mines, where people have an ownership of the mine. There are crazy, crazy ideas out there. You work also with um, family, basically, owned businesses, or? Yeah. How do you find those families? How do you know if they're... That's kind of because since 11 years I'm working in this field, I have quite some contacts. You have contacts. If I go contacts. to Sri Lanka and I want to get you some stones, I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the world in, in sustainable jewelry is very small, so we know each other very well and we can rely on each other. I imagine there's some also nice rumors and stuff like that, right? Some gossip yeah. <laughs> yeah, as well. When it comes to your brand, I mean, you started creating different forms, different ideas. What kind of persona you have in mind when you started developing Pierre further, introducing new lines, uh, starting to sell the product? Who is your ultimate customer? 
Yeah. You know, it's also the reason I'm asking. It's so scary. It's like gold to wear gold, to wear gemstones. It's such a responsibility. It's such a responsibility. And of course, and we need to talk about this as well. Of course, you have to have the money to buy it. This is for sure because it's expensive and it's okay that it's expensive because it's very rare. I think luxury kind of is always expensive, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be exclusive. It can give the best of it to everyone who gets in touch of it. So that's how we create our jewelry. Of course, it's, it's a luxury item and you need to afford it. But this luxury item changes a lot along the, the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So this is very important. So of course, our consumer needs to be aware or is aware of the power he has. Oh, mm -hmm. the, the power. Love yeah, the, the power he has or she has with her choice. choice power of choice it's okay. because you can you can create so much with your choice that's true yeah and are we talking about modern working women are we talking about i um, always say that we do we make jewelry for every woman who wants to afford it because this is something very important for me in our jewelry and in our designs we try to capture every facet of a woman because I think it's so hard to say my jewelry is only for working moms or for mm. women who decided to stay home or for women who wants to change the world or for, you know, somehow I think we all have all the facets within us and we bring them up when we feel we need to bring them up or in different right. kind of situations. I think it's very hard to name a woman, you know, to, to say she's this or that. What's, or, what's maybe know. like your f latest favorite piece here in your collection and design? The Rihanna ring. It's called now the Rihanna ring. It's still <laughs> one of my favorite designs. We just um, brought up a new version of it, ah. all made out of diamonds, because the Rihanna ring was made out of sapphires, and now we have the diamond version. Maybe she's wearing it once again. Who knows that? So this is still my favorite piece, and we just launched engagement line with diamonds coming from Canada. From Canada? From Canada, because of course Canada has diamond mines as well, but they have different laws than Uganda, for example, so we can make sure that nobody got harmed when those diamonds were sourced. Interesting. Right, yeah, quite so cool. Anyone who is like looking for an engagement ring can be like, hmm. Totally. Does anyone wears gold on a regular basis? I mean, regular basis are very strong. Ooh, wow. Everyone knows that there is gold in mobile phones, in your mobile phone? I heard about it, yeah. But like actual jewelry, gold jewelry, I think we have here a group. Oh. Oh. Well, be inspired to do so, I guess. Yes. I mean, I'm careful. I, if I take U8, I will be like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not tonight. <laughs> but it's a statement. Tell me about, I know one of your also, uh, I think your jewelry lines, clouds. They were yeah. very, I was at the dinner the last five days ago and everyone was showing me their clouds, <laughs> which is part of your, and I can see yes. you're wearing a tiny cloud. I'm wearing a tiny cloud, yeah. Why do you think that really? That makes me kind of proud. Thank you for it's, telling but me. But it's a very popular yeah. one. Why do you think that one picked up so much? Um, Did you do specific branding, communication around it? I think it's such a special piece. So when I decided to found my jewelry company, it was very clear that, of course, we need to also have some classic jewelry designs because every brand needs to have classic jewelry designs. 
but I wanted to have something special, something that really is connected with my brand. So I thought about the women who should be my customer. And then I thought about all the facets we have in us and that it's uh, super hard for me to name a woman who could be my customer. And I love clouds because I think clouds have as many facets as women do have and they are super transformative. So they can, mm. you know, change and, and transform. So it was uh, born out of this idea that I will have a cloud collection. And it was super hard to find the right stones and to find people who can kind of cut the stone into a cloud actual shape. cloud shape because it's an actual cloud shape. Yeah. And the Rihanna ring is also a cloud. <laughs> it's oh. a big cloud. It's, it's the big... Rihanna cloud. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> it's like everyone is going to be like Googling this one. But let's talk back a little bit about the industry itself, because you said it's changing. There's a lot of positive change you're seeing. So what are maybe some upcoming trends that you see happening in the fine jewelry industry? I think one trend definitely is that transforming old jewelry into new ones, new pieces. This is something quite also something nice if you maybe can't afford the fine jewelry piece you would love to have or you inherited some old jewelry of your grandmother or whatsoever and maybe it's not your style but the connection is there because mm -hmm. it's from your grandmother you can kind of redesign it I think this is quite cool and I see it it's coming more and more also that you can go to brands and they redesign your jewelry piece which we do as well of course But um, this is something which will be something. And we are working on something, I have to say, for the future. So I can bring any jewelry from my grandmother yes, and that you can, yeah. would help me shape the idea. Do you also help with the creation process? Yes, we do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. Where are you at right now with uh, Vieri? What do you think? How has your growth strategy changed in the last years? And what are you focusing on now? So luckily, we, we were growing. We're still growing, but of course, we're facing challenging times right now, like a lot of brands and companies are doing. So we're focusing a lot into the topic of wedding bands because people are kind of falling in love also in crisis and they do marry also in crisis. So wearing perfect dress. Yes, you where, are. Where is we my... can start right away. Where is my group? No, where is my ring first? <laughs> It's like... <laughs> <laughs> so with wedding bands and also when it comes to communication, because this is something Vieri is all about. So we're selling jewelry, but we're also kind of into activism because we want to really transform the industry. And to transform the industry, we also need to talk about the problems, of course, with our customers. So wedding bands are quite cool because, you know, it's the first touch point with jewelry. And when it comes to love, you want to have it very pure and you want to have it very, you know, so it's quite mm -hmm. good to talk with people about sustainability when it comes to jewelry. So, and we're kind of working on a model where you can maybe borrow some jewelry for quite some time so that we're more into the sharing economy mm -hmm. because I honestly think that this also could be a future So what, if, what if they borrow and don't come back? No, we, we are working on some <laughs> ideas that this is not gonna happen. <laughs> this is a tough one. follow you and... Yeah. <laughs> You'll be like, I need today like five rings for the special occasion. You're like, Ciao. suspicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they never come back. <laughs> okay, so this is something you're focusing on. There is 
Something you mentioned about that you want to become more touchable, more connected with your client. Yeah. What is that about? What is changing there? Why you felt there's a need for that? I can already see that it's a strong need that people don't want to buy something from the Stange. I'm not allowed to tell names here. So they want something special just made for them. So nothing that everyone has. So I can see that they start to go deeper in the communication part and they want to be involved in their creation. Mm -hmm. So we need to be more in communication with our customers, which is very hard when you're an online business. And we're kind of an online business because we're still a small brand in the jewelry industry. Remember, very expensive. So we can't afford opening up 20 stores in Germany, for But example. But you can do like pop-up stores. We do pop-up stores. But it's, again, in jewelry, super complicated because you need to think about insurance. You need to think mm -hmm. about robbery. It's not that easy. So we need to find other solutions to be more... What about, I mean, I see a lot of brands are looking into storytelling in terms of introducing their clients, their customer, and focusing on that brand marketing through the eyes of their uh, customer yeah. and telling their story, introducing kind of casually an example of where you can wear it, how can you wear it, yeah. how you can interact with the brand. It seems like a lot of brands looking into that as well. Why do you feel like the storytelling and connection with the client and introducing the client to the other basis is really relevant right now for lifestyle brands? I think it's super important to, of course, especially for bigger brands, but as well for for new brands to, yeah, to get them in touch with your brand and to keep them because mm -hmm. there is so many communication about goods and, you know, the online businesses, etc., that they're all kind of looking for something real again and this is kind of the future to get your customer on this journey with you and I think this is especially for us super important because we need this kind of movement yeah. and we need the customers to be with us on this movement towards a more ethical industry so we need to do the storytelling but of course we need to integrate them as well with their stories where should I start so for instance I'm more into silver Yes. But after talking to you, I'm like, you know what? There is the white gold. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? There's white gold. I can do that. Yes. But I want to make sure that I do my research and I want to make sure that I only work with brands like you that are sustainable. They work with the right families. They have great source material, ethically sourced materials. How do I know? Where, where do I look for that? And where do I know when it's not greenwashing and when it's like a, actually their practice? That's a super hard one. I can't tell you because there isn't there like some kind of stamp of approval. There are a lot of stamp approvals. <laughs> I don't really think of them in a very positive way. I have to say, especially the jewelry industry created a lot of. I mean, I can say it. It's like the RGC, for example, the Responsible Jewelry Council. Nearly everyone in the jewelry is registered at the Responsible Jewelry Council. I think we're the only brand not registered at the Responsible you Jewelry You're a rebel. Council. I'm a rebel, yeah. To be very honest, I don't know. I mean, I think you need to communicate. It's again about communication because if you really want to know if the brand you want to buy a ring from is into sustainable behavior, you need to communicate with them. And then at one point you will see if they can give you answers and you know to your questions and yeah but it's super hard it's something we're fighting about a lot because 
that's what I said. When you look on this perspective on the jewelry industry, mostly everyone is super sustainable. Is this the work you do then on behalf of the Earth Beat Foundation? Earth Beat Foundation, that's it. So but it's not about bashing someone, you know. I think bashing is never the right way to... Because at the end, we need all the players I mean, you also want to work with the retailers. I want to, and I want to work with the big ones and with the small ones, and of course. But it's still a way to go. Do you think your very independent personality and being a bit of a rebel and being straightforward, does it does it help you or does it detain you to getting to the no, maybe think, big platforms yeah. and retainers? No, I think it helps me. I think my personality helps me to get in touch with them and to communicate with them because... I understand their needs and I think it's clearly positive for me that I'm coming from both parts, you know. I have a brand but I'm also the NGO kind of part so people are trusting me. You you come to them and they're like, you don't know that you want to work with me but I'm going to prove you that. That's it. Ooh, that's the attitude. <laughs> Gwe, you're not an easy one, I lo but I love it. <laughs> I, I think for me it's very inspirational talking to you because oftentimes you want to please you want to fit into the box you want to fit the expectations you want to be like all the other brands and uh, your courage and the challenges you faced and that you come to your personality and you're like well you, you take me or you leave but so that's, that's it i was asked 10 months ago if somebody said to me you have to decide do you want to sell jewelry or do you want to be an activist and i was like dude it's 2023 i want to be both and i can be both And I think that's the chance we have, you know. I can sell luxury jewelry, but at the same time I can be an activist for for the change of the industry. Are you hiring for your foundation? Yes, we actually yeah. do. Okay, I yeah. have someone in okay, mind. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's always good to connect people. <laughs> I'm slowly heading to my last question of this conversation because I know you have a mom bear duty. That is calling <laughs> and probably to catch up on some sleep. I also want to give an opportunity to anyone to connect if uh, anyone has further questions and would like to talk to you before you're off to your mom duty. Uh, my last question on the show is quite consistent. I address it. I think our episode will be actually episode 77. Oh, oh I like So it. in the last two years, I interviewed over 70 amazing women. And there's one question that I always ask. It's about a woman author of achievement. So whose name comes to your mind, who is an author, a woman who is an author of her own achievements, her own story, creator of her own life. And I always, and people say, oh, it has to be very successful, known women. But to be honest, the name of the show stands for that every woman is an author of her own achievements. It doesn't matter the, really the impact, the matter that you just start doing things. Yeah. So what name comes to your mind? Who do you want to give a highlight? It's my grandmother who is my my. That's, role that's always model. a nice, nice cheesy <laughs> answer. I love it. But why? Tell me. Because she was 50 when she lost her husband, and she was back in the day. She had nothing, so she got a little bit of money from like widow money, and she had two children. And she decided to put all on one card and to kind of create. A new life with 50 which I think it was super cool back in the days and she opened up a restaurant and she didn't have a clue of it and it became one of the most successful restaurants in Belgium and she worked till she was 80 now she's 88 she's a 
spider. She did it all from scratch and I wear her dress today because I got all my dresses this from is, her. I thought this is a modern dress, but it's yeah. a dress from the... From my grandmother. Grandmother. From uh, some uh, years ago. And she's really my role model, especially in moments where fighting gets tired. She gives me the power to move on because I always think if she made it so I can made it, make it. So she really is... Um, I think yeah. it runs in your genes, the, those fighter genes. I genes. hope so. And what's, um, first of all, speaking about quality, I'm just yeah. like, every time it's like things don't fade away when they're good quality. That's it. But she takes good care of it. Yeah, yeah. And what's the name of the restaurant? So is it still there? It's still there. It's so. called Versailles. It's in, in Belgium. Belgium and where in Belgium? In Knocke. It's at the sea. It's very nice. At the sea. Yeah, okay. at the sea. I'm going to like add a link. And if you're in Belgium, <laughs> go to this <laughs> go restaurant. To this yeah. And we can... Yeah. yeah she funny. founded it when I was uh, born. You were born? Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So a it's cool. a family of uh, entrepreneurs, it seems, from both sides. Yeah, it is. And fighters. <laughs> and fighters. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for being on my show. What a pleasure getting to know you. And also, I'm so happy you made it here, despite... The toughness. I don't think I will be even be able to talk properly if I would wake up at 2 a.m. So I guess... It's all training. Training. <laughs> so thank you for being and really talking through about really introducing the topic of gold on my show. I haven't spoken to anyone about gold and fine jewelry and I was quite nervous and excited about okay, how far can we go and what is there to discover? But every episode, like today, is a learning and it's a learning that you can make a choice. You can be a passive consumer and you can, or you can do your research and Absolutely. talk to you or listen to this episode and actually make a different decision. And I will start researching and start making right choices that are sustainable and ethical. And I hope everyone else was inspired also by this conversation. So I guess that's a wrap. Thank you Thank so much you. for being with me today. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening and we're looking forward to being back soon.